Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 45 degrees right now. We're raining out there all over the state. It looks like that's pretty much going to be the story of the day and uh, probably into tonight. Not sure about tomorrow. Kind of iffy, depending on where you are around here. I think it'll be a little drier down south where I'm going. Planning to go to the Badger football game tomorrow against Iowa. Might be a little wet. We'll see. I've been sitting through the rain before. But anyway, good morning, Bob Bosold. I'm back. Jill, did you go anyplace? Yeah, you were <laughs> yesterday. You took a, a tour. Where'd you go? You did some uh, road tripping. I did. I went to Stratford and Abbotsford. To do the FFA on the air okay. programs for in the future. And because then, you're going to be down at the FFA convention, so uh, Jill working ahead. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> yeah, your plan. That's my plan. Come <laughs> there on. You go. And no, you also I am, went fishing. Yes, I went to Heinz Fish Farm. It's by Athens. Uh-huh. I, I drove by it when I was up there one other time, and I stopped in and visit, got a little bit of a tour and a little bit of history on that, and it's really interesting. Yeah, I don't ever think of fish farming as part of agriculture, but it's a big deal. She oh, does a lot bet. of fish. Yeah, there's fish farms all over here. There are a lot of fish. And what kind of fish did uh, she raise up there? Just about anything you can imagine. Really? Bluegills, yeah. from bluegills, crappies, bass. Tanks or ponds? Or? Um, she has 60 ponds. Oh, wow. Um, they're not all full all at the same time. No. Some of them work better than others. Uh-huh. But she takes them out and puts them in private ponds. But she also does, like, um, when they restock at lakes and stuff, sure. she works with the DNR. Good. So, all right. And uh, you'll have that on here shortly, in a few days? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll put that all together. As, uh, I was down in uh, North Carolina. I think you, you knew I went down to... To visit my son down at uh, what is now Fort Liberty, and uh, it was uh, Fort Bragg, of course, before that. So I look forward to doing that because I went through basic training in Fort Bragg back in 1969, and not much is left. I found three basic training barracks that were, uh, if anybody went to Fort Bragg, they know what I'm talking about, or any of these places. They always had those back then, those yellow uh wooden barrack building that you see on TV and all the old movies and uh, little mess halls were right across the road there. I found three of those left and uh, a couple of mess halls. Otherwise, it's all modern, beautiful facilities now on these uh, military bases. Fort Bragg went through the... uh, If you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw some of the pictures from the museum and and, uh, you know, the monuments that they have to members of the 82nd Airborne, which is headquartered there at Fort Bragg. So, saw a lot of interesting things down there and, uh, awfully nice weather too. So it was really beautiful the whole time we were there. Went to Kitty Hawk. Okay. So you saw the plane then. Saw Wilbur and Orville Wright's Kitty Hawk, the monument and the rail is there, you know, that they use the like a uh, railroad track. It's one rail. And that's what they used to uh, get the plane started to flying. And they, they had monuments, big stone markers out there for the first four flights. The first flight was 12 seconds, and the fourth flight was uh, 59 seconds or something like that. One for uh, 800 and some feet. So history. And uh, along the Outer Banks, what a place to go. 
I mean, I've heard about the Outer Banks, but you only hear about them when the hurricanes are going to hit the East Coast. But the Outer Banks, man, oh, man, it's like, uh, as I said on Facebook, it's like uh, Wisconsin Dells or Door County on steroids. It's an unbelievable place. It really is. And it went down all the way, and it's a long, long stretch of uh, land there. And uh, across the bridges, it's an interesting place. So we'll talk about that. Gas prices. You said the cheapest, cheapest gas price. gas is in Wisconsin. That's amazing. Driving from here to North, you know, through Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, and other states, you get into Virginia, West Virginia. Cheapest gas I've stopped yesterday on the way home, Janesville, three oh nine nine. That was the cheapest gas I saw on the whole trip. So, it was a very interesting trip. We'll talk more about that. And if you're going to drive this fall anyplace, man, go to AAA or someplace and find out about road construction because they're fixing roads. I mean, I'm telling you. We had road construction every few miles. Man, oh, man. So uh, a lot of money coming out into the country, a lot of jobs out there fixing roads, and a lot of a lot of roads are going to be a whole lot better here in the future. All right, I saw, also saw a crop growing that I never saw before. I never saw cotton growing, but mm-hmm. I was out in the, in the cotton fields, and, uh, you know, my mind went back to history thinking of these, uh, you know, the slaves that we had back then. And there they had back then in the South, and out there picking cotton, all the pictures and documentaries you see, unbelievable how thick that is. But it must be close by because all the white heads are out. But I, I never saw cotton growing in the field before. So uh, educational, educational trip that is for sure. All right, uh, we've got a lot of things going on. The farm bill, what's going on in Congress? Uh, you know, if you're worried about a farm bill. I don't know if that's on the back burner now with what happened over in Israel, what's happened trying to get a speaker, what's happening as far as are we going to be able to keep the government open and operating, farm bill, how high a priority is that? I don't think it's very high. But we've got a lot to talk about this morning as we continue. And uh, cherry on the Sunday for the program, Brent Wink will be here. Brent, of course with our Winfield United Land O'Lakes program covering the crops as he is, well, we're about, a, what, a month away from deer hunting, so he's still got a few weeks to get up and come over and join us. We'll find out how heavy the rain is falling all the way from Glenwood City into Eau Claire this morning. And numbers, that USDA report came out yesterday. How big is the crop going to be? We'll talk about all that as we go along this morning. But uh, one thing we can tell you, it's raining out there right now. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. About three minutes away from the top of the hour. And uh, also, uh, a week ago today, as a matter of fact, I met met up with one of my old girlfriends from high school 50-some years ago. <laughs> and she lives in North Carolina near Asheville in the Blue Ridge Mountains, a beautiful place up in the mountains. And, and that's what I told her. I said, well... The guy you married was probably a better catch than me. <laughs> I'm but, sure she hasn't changed a bit, right? Oh, God, no. Uh-uh. But uh, it was fun to, you know, I haven't seen her since, I think, high school graduation. That's 50-some years, 50-plus years ago. So it was fun to get together. So it was a great trip that I had, and I won't bore you with any more of the details. Our 13 first alert weather. No, she didn't give me a kiss, huh? <laughs> 13 first alert weather this morning. We've got rain out there. High today. Not going to get real warm. 49 tonight down to 45. Saturday, partly cloudy, 55. What'd you say? Some of the high school football games were changed to last night instead of tonight because of the rain? Yep. I was up in Abbotsford and they were playing last night. And I believe Stratford played last night too. All right. So hopefully uh, they all came out on the top end of the score. If you are playing tonight, uh, maybe you want to take your umbrella poncho something along because again rain in the forecast for today 49 tonight 45 partly cloudy saturday sunday monday tuesday and wednesday temperatures in the mid 50s wednesday it'll be about 63 right now it's a very pleasant 45 degrees out there and i would assume you had your windshield wipers on all the way in all the way in on just lower fast Oh, just steady. All right. So anyway, you get the windshield cleaned anyway. If you're out driving with the windshield wipers on in the rain. Friday morning in the wax. A little rain out there. 45 right now. 49 is as warm as we're going to get on a Friday morning in wax. This is 104.5 FM WAXX Eau Claire. Let's get some news. 
NBC News Radio. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Biden administration is arranging charter flights to help Americans leave Israel as a country is at war with Hamas. We are all acutely aware of limited availability right now on commercial flights out of Israel uh, and the demand signal by U.S. citizens who may want to depart. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the administration is working to provide flights from Israel to sites in Europe for U.S. citizens and their immediate family members. The administration is also looking at helping Americans exit by land and sea. This comes amid a shortage of commercial flights as the conflict continues. Israel is warning the United Nations to evacuate over a million people in Gaza. On Thursday, U.N. officials said the Israeli Ministry of Defense told them to notify Palestinians living in the northern areas of Gaza to evacuate to the southern part of the Strip in the next 24 hours. The U.N. says it's physically impossible to evacuate that many people without devastating humanitarian consequences. The news comes as officials expect the Israeli military to launch a ground assault against Hamas forces. Law enforcement across the U.S. will be on alert after the ex-Hamas chief called for a global day of jihad on Friday. Brian Shook reports. There have already been some pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian marchers clashing in some U.S. cities since the war broke out between Israel and Hamas. Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas said Thursday he's concerned about U.S. synagogues being a target. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says law enforcement agencies across her state are preparing for demonstrations. The NYPD has ordered all officers to be in uniform Friday. I'm Brian Shook. And Patrick Mahomes threw for 306 yards and a touchdown as the Chiefs defeated the Broncos 19-8 on Thursday night football at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs improved to 5-1, the Broncos 1-5. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's get a check of our 13 first alert weather. Shows us that uh, it's raining out there. I don't think you needed me to tell you that. All you have to do is uh, walk out or look out the window. And I think it's going to be pretty rainy for most of the day today. And then moving south, it looks like. But 49 to high today, 45 tonight. Over the weekend around here, partly cloudy and into probably about next Wednesday at least. It'll be just partly cloudy. High will be 63 on Wednesday, otherwise 50s for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Right now, rain, all of our reporting stations all over the state reporting heavy to light rain. Rice Lake, 44. It's 42 in Medford. Wausau and Marshfield, 45. 49 over in La Crosse. Green Bay's at 50. 51 in Madison and Sun Prairie for the Badger, Iowa game. Supposed to be some rain down there tomorrow, so we'll... Load up the parkas and the ponchos and see what we get. 56 and rain in Milwaukee and 45 with some rain falling outside our back door as well. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Seven minutes after five o'clock on a Friday morning at Wax. Market brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And Jill, as we wrap up the week, what's been the trend and pricing this week for the livestock? Well, we've got our choice fed beef steers at 175 to 190 with mixed at 133 to 174 and a half. Choice fed beef heifers are 175 to 188 and a half with mixed at 97 to 174 and a half. Choice fed Holstein steers are 155 to 164 with select and silage fed steers 92 to 154 and with cows at 78 to 96. Bulls are 104 to 124. Butcher hogs are 27 to 78 with sows at 22 to 29 and boars at 12 to 15. New crop market lambs are right at $2. Feeder lambs are $1.10 to $2. Ewes are 60 to 102. Small goats are 10 to $150. Medium goats are 80 to $240. Large goats are 135 to $400, and nanny goats are at 25 to $335. And at the Mercantile Exchange, livestock futures mostly higher yesterday. October live cattle, 185.40. That closed 90 cents higher. December at 187.80, up 82. February, $192, even that's up 75. April, 195, even that's up a dollar too. Feeder cattle for November, $253.57. That's up 157. January feeder cattle two fifty four forty seven up one seventeen March two fifty six ninety five up a dollar seven April at two sixty one oh two that's up a dollar twelve and taking a look at the uh, hog contracts lean hog carcasses October did close at eighty two ten that was down a nickel but then prices went higher December hogs seventy ten up twelve 
February at 7502 up 35 and April hogs at 8152 that was up 52 on the board of trade uh, yesterday and uh, market closing the day trade 8 cents higher on corn beans were up 37 cents on that USDA report showing some smaller crops also beans got a boost from uh, soybean meal which was up yesterday overnight December corn gave 2 cents back sitting at 494 this morning the oats down 4 at 379 December wheat up a penny at 572. November soybeans up three cents at 1293 this morning. And December meal up $3.80 a ton at $396.70. Cheese prices were mixed. Barrels up two and three quarters, 164 and a half. Blocks down a quarter of a cent at $1.70 a pound. Butter down eight and a half cents coming off some of those uh, historic highs sitting at 339 and a half. Class 3 prices were higher yesterday, still need a lot of improvement to get where they need to be. October Class 3 up 9 at 1693, November up 7 at 1730, December up 11 at 1760, January up 13 at 1812, and February up 15 cents at 1835 as prices were higher through July. Ten minutes after 5 o'clock, USDA report came out yesterday. What's the size of the crop as far as their October estimate? (laughs) It'll be numbers we'll use for a month because they'll have another estimate coming in November when the harvest is that much further along. We'll take a look at yesterday's numbers and a whole lot more on a Friday morning at Wax. 45 right now, some rain out there. High today, uh, it's not going to reach 50. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, 45 degrees. We've got rain, and we've also got a report that came out yesterday looking at the crops around Wisconsin, around the country. Jill, give us some of those numbers. Well, they were down for the corn and soybean crops, according to USDA economists. Thursday's crop production and ending stocks report lowered the size of this fall's crop by 70 million bushels down to 15.064 billion on average yields of 73 bushels per acre. That's down. <laughs> that's on averages of 173 bushels per acre, down eight tenths of a bushel from the September forecast. Ending stocks for the 2023-2024 marketing year were lowered by 110 million bushels, down to just over 2.1 billion. The economists also dropped both exports and domestic corn demand by 25 million bushels. Their estimate for the farm gate corn price for the new marketing year was raised a nickel to $4.95 a bushel. And the size of this year's soybean crop is now projected to be just over 4.1 billion bushels, a drop of 42 million from earlier estimates. Yields are now put at 49.6 bushels an acre, down a half a bushel from earlier reports. Yesterday's report also kept ending stocks for this year at 220 million bushels while increasing the soybean crush by 10 million bushels, but cutting our exports by 35 million bushels and leaving the expected average soybean price at $12.90 a bushel. And here in Wisconsin, yesterday's report put our corn harvest at 512 million bushels, down 6% from last year. State corn yield yields are projected to average 165 bushels an acre, down 15 bushels from last fall. Total harvested corn for grain acres will be about up about 70,000 this year to 3.1 million. State soybean production is now put at 91.1 million bushels, down 22% from last fall, as average yields are expected to be only 44 bushels an acre, down from last year's crop that averaged 54 bushels an acre. Hay production numbers for Wisconsin were mixed in yesterday's report. Alfalfa and alfalfa mixed hay was down 6% this year to 2.32 million tons, but production of all other hay was up 33% from last year at 680,000 tons. Harvested hay acres across the acre, harvested hay acres across the state, this year reached 400,000 acres. That's up 100,000 from last year. All right, so that's the gist of the numbers, and it did put support under both corn and soybean prices in yesterday's market, especially soybeans, with that uh, increase in demand and use of soybean meal. 
And again, as Jill said, uh, harvested acres for corn in Wisconsin, 3.1 million. We actually planted 4 million acres to corn, but also we know we put up corn silage in Wisconsin. So that uh, difference of 3.1 and 4 million is because uh, that corn went into corn silage. So that's uh, the latest. As we said, there'll be an updated report coming next month as we'll get closer to the harvest as more farm numbers, actual on-farm numbers are reported. So, again, that's the latest from what the USDA came out with yesterday. Right now, we're almost 17 minutes after 5 o'clock, and uh, coming up, we're going to get some uh, game-changing livestock handling uh, plans as uh, facilities and techniques apparently are changing. And uh, Temple Grandin, the Colorado State University professor who is autistic herself, came out with some generationally changing ways to handle livestock and handling livestock equipment and being in the livestock industry i'm i'm sure you took note of what she did round pens and things like that phenomenal that's the way we process our cows we have what we call a tub and the tub is a it's a round circle then it's a solid door behind them so you push that door and keeps the animals safe keeps the handlers safe and my cows get used to it. Sometimes I don't even have to push that door around. They just know what's coming next. Yeah, they keep calm. They know uh, they know it's uh, not a bad thing to be uh, handled in those ways. All right, so uh, that's coming up. We'll hear what these new game-changing livestock handling techniques are as uh, we're going to hear from Jen Van Oss, who is an animal welfare specialist at the UW in Madison. So that's coming up here in just a little while. Now we're getting into, uh, well middle to late october halloween i know halloween's on the calendar but uh, there are many other things happening around the area that we will be talking about this morning well absolutely we've got haunted houses we've got oh, haunted oh, good. haunted woods we've got all kinds of stuff going on but we also have the maple producers and enthusiasts are still i hear they're touring central wisconsin and that's today and tomorrow and they're going to Friday evening. This starts at Kugel's Brewery. So I don't know how much maple syrup is up there, but, you well, know. Kugel must have some maple-flavored beer. <laughs> must be. Everything else. But it's gonna, if they're touring sugar bushes or whatever today, they're going to get wet. Right. But actually, the tour registration is tomorrow on Saturday from 7.30 to 8 at the Roth Sugar Bush in Kadat. All right. And they're going to be touring Marika Gouda, Black River Orchard, Wells Farm Learning Center, Owen with the FFA School Forest, Ingle Sugarbush, and Curvin and Arlene Brubaker's Sugarbush. All right, so hopefully the rain will stop and uh, they'll have a good day touring around and uh, seeing what those operations are all about. And I know, uh, don't we have some sheep uh, operation going on up in Barron County that I just found this morning? on the calendar and uh, they're doing something but uh, we'll talk about that as we go along coming up as we said we're going to hear about some game-changing livestock handling techniques right here on wax 45 degrees right now we've got rain today and it probably get about 49 that's about as hot as it's going to get the first voice of agriculture in wisconsin for over 35 years wax 104.5 and the midwest farm report A video game is coming your way to help train farm employees to handle dairy cattle. UW Extension will soon be releasing the smartphone app called Moving Cows to your Apple or Google Play Store. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. You can play this game on an iPad or tablet, and it works like a cow handling simulator. UW-Madison professor Jennifer Van Oss is leading the project. She tells me that Wisconsin dairy farmers have been asking for this type of tool. And it's something that surprised me a bit when I started with UW-Madison five years ago when I was meeting with dairy farmers and asking about their challenges with animal care. They asked if I could come to their farm and train their employees on proper cow handling practices. And I was surprised because there are a lot of well-established techniques and really nice resources out there, even free ones like videos about basic cow handling. But I think that it could be a lot of these resources are what are called passive learning. So you are reading something or watching a video, you're taking 
taking in the information, but my idea was to do something more interactive, potentially more engaging, that could interest people and help them practice these techniques. And so that's how we came up with the idea of essentially a flight simulator for cow handling, or you could call it an educational video game. Yeah, and so tell me about this educational video game. What is it called? Uh, what does it entail? So it's called Moving Cows with a double O. The moo is important in there. And it's a proof of concept that we can use a video game or a simulator to help people practice appropriate animal handling. And so we're starting with basic cow handling principles. What is the flight zone? What is the point of balance? But instead of just describing these in words, people can see the concepts and experience them in this simulated environment. And we focus on moving cows into the parlor and to and from the parlor from a freestall pen. And so we want to show that a game could work to help people learn basic cow handling. And then we have ideas for the future about more complex scenarios where a game might be helpful. You had a kind of a a timeline for this because it was something that the industry really was demanding just to meet their own goals. Yeah, so it was 2018 when I was hearing a lot of people asking for more training on cow handling, and 2019 when I got this idea, and it took a couple years for us to put together a research team, solidify our ideas, get some concept art going, and get funding. That was a really important piece to be able to program a video game. So then once we started that process, it was very important to us that we didn't just create an educational resource in a vacuum in the university. Even though these principles are very well established, we wanted to make sure that the game content really resonated with our potential end users on dairy farms. And so it was a feedback process of taking drafts of the game out to farms and seeing how well it resonated with them, asking them, how can we make it better? How can we make it more relevant? And so that feedback was really critical to making sure that the game would be something helpful. And you brought up an interesting an interesting point where you're not trying to replace the real life experience of handling livestock, but the game offers it at a low-cost, low-risk experience. Yeah, exactly. So I think the game can complement and enhance the learning experience. And so people could still use more traditional passive resources like watching a video or reading a fact sheet and this allows them to practice it in a controlled environment and so i don't think it will replace real life practice you really need to learn how to do that dance with a real cow but here we can present situations where people can feel free to make mistakes and there are low consequences and so they can learn from making those mistakes or we can simulate things that are really important but you don't always see even in real life training for example how do you deal with a cow who's running around in the pen because she's in heat and she could potentially be a danger to you we can simulate that in the game the industry has been involved in testing this game. I got to test the game at World Dairy Expo. Do you have any anecdotal responses or even data that shows that it's made a difference? Has it been successful? Has it changed behavior yet? That's a really important question because I think that that's where we as researchers at UW-Madison can add value, not just creating an educational resource with these best practices, but actually testing to see, do people learn something? So our research is in the very early stages. We've tested using multiple choice questions to see if people's knowledge about best practices for cow handling have improved after playing the game. And we're seeing something really promising, but we would like to do additional future research to see if people's actual behavior and the practices they use on farm change after doing this kind of learning experience. So I think that that's the next step in the future, but it it will take time. We'll need some research funding to do that. But I I agree that that's something really valuable. It's not just saying, hey, we made this thing. Isn't it cool? But does it actually work? That evidence is really important. I think it's also important to note that this is a bilingual game. So it's available in English and Spanish. Why was that a priority for you? So we know that the demographics in our dairy workforce have been changing rapidly in the last few years, including here in Wisconsin, and we wanted to make sure that this game was useful to a diverse set of learners. Our target target audience includes people with different levels of experience who have different primary languages. So the game was created from the ground up in both English and Spanish. We know that dairy employees also speak some other languages, but this was our starting point because those are the two most... um, common languages spoken on dairy farms in Wisconsin. And so we wanted to make sure that the Spanish version wasn't an afterthought. And so when we were making the drafts of the game and getting feedback, we worked with dairy farm employees and owners who spoke both English and Spanish to make sure it resonated with them because that was very important to us for people to feel like this resource was made for me and it's something that I can gain something from. And as you said, not just for newbies on the farm, you said something in your presentation, you wanted to avoid procedural 
drift. So even people who have been working with cattle maybe their whole lives still may need a refresher. Exactly. And that's part of this industry-wide expectation. So with the Farm Animal Care Program, FARM, Farmers Assuring Responsible Management, one of the expectations is everybody who works on the farm and handles cattle, whether they are new employees or grew up on the farm, need to show annual continuing education in stockmanship or cow handling. And we wanted to see if our educational tool could help people regardless of their level of experience. Maybe they take different things away from it, but I think Anybody could use a refresher about best practices to avoid this procedural drift. So we asked the people who playtested the game for us, imagine somebody with little or no experience with dairy cows. How useful do you think moving cows would be to help them learn these cow handling practices? And then imagine somebody who already has a lot of experience working with dairy cows. Do you think How useful do you think the game could be for them to refresh the practices? And... Regardless of those scenarios, on average, people gave it a four out of five for usefulness. So pretty useful even for experienced people and new people. And this project is affiliated with UW Dairy Innovation Hub. Yeah, so we recently received some new funding from the Wisconsin Dairy Innovation Hub. Our original research funding was from a program called Research Forward within UW-Madison to allow us to create the first version of the game. But we're really grateful that the Dairy Innovation Hub gave us a new grant that is allowing us to do two things. So the first is to reach out to additional target audiences. So not just people on dairy farms who are the first priority, but also students of different educational levels. So we have people, youth participating in 4-H as young as those who just completed fifth grade. And we've also tested it with first year undergraduates taking an animal science class, as well as fourth year veterinary students on a dairy skills rotation. So we think it could potentially be useful for lots of different types of learners to gain something about cow handling. And then the second thing the Dairy Innovation Hub funding is allowing us to do is to improve the game using the feedback we've collected from people who work on dairy farms to try to make it even better and also to release it publicly. So we are optimistic that by early next year, you'll see it in both the Google Play Store for Android devices as well as iTunes for Apple devices, and that anybody who wants to learn something about cow handling or just play it for fun would be able to do that. And again, that's Jen Van Oss. She is the animal welfare specialist at UW-Madison, talking about that smartphone app, which uh, not quite here yet, but will be here soon. So if yourself, your family, your employees... uh, Need to take a look at that for animal handling advice techniques. It should be available soon. It's 5.30 in the morning in Wax. We've got 45 degrees and some rain out there right now. It's not going to warm up a whole lot. Yeah, we're starting to call her skinny core around here. Man, oh, man, 60 pounds. That's a lot. Holy mackerel. I've dropped 30 on the Livia program, 30-plus, but uh, not 60. Hey, it's uh, time for news on a Friday morning. Morgan, she doesn't need any Olivia diet. She's, she always looks good. Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom. Morgan, what's going on this morning on a Friday morning? Good morning. Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We'll start with headlines in the Ladysmith area as a man who pulled a gun on his neighbor sent Ladysmith schools into lockdown. Police say it happened uh, 3.30 yesterday afternoon or thereabouts as police say 57-year-old Corwin Blackwell pointed a rifle at his neighbor while the neighbor was mowing his lawn. It happened not far from Ladysmith Elementary School and while the kids were already gone, but school officials did order a lockdown for anyone who was left in the building. Police arrested Blackwell on first-degree recklessly endangering safety charges. In other headlines, some more information now after four people were hurt in an Amish buggy and tractor crash near Northfield uh, between Eau Claire and Black River Falls. Jackson County Sheriff's Office updating was saying that Mayo Clinic air and ground ambulance did take people away and the conditions not being reported or updated yet. We know the tractor driver was not hurt. As we look into other headlines, it's not the billion, but it's something. The Wisconsin Lottery says uh, there were some winners in the state. If you happen to pick up a ticket at the Toma Mini Mart, you might want to check it. It's worth $100,000, or at least one of them is. And if you were in the Grand Chute area, a quick trip there sold a $50,000 winner. Of course, that big winner for the billions was in California. You can get the details, by the way, 715newsroom.com. Well, if the end of the week has you feeling drained, you might want to clear the drains. Literally, we were expecting this rain, and here it is as we start soggy in the Chippewa Valley. Eau Claire Street Department is asking people to clear storm drains near homes, and that's to help avoid flooding during some of this heavier rain. They do plan to run street sweepers throughout the day, but if you happen to see extra lawn clippings, leaves, debris, that kind of thing, might want to clear them out. And a good day to run the crock pot, get some of that comfort food in the belly. Gumbo is not a bad idea. We've been eating gumbo since the 18th century. It's a stew using meat or shellfish with the holy trinity, celery, bell peppers, and onions, but it does not have to have okra. Its origins are a mix 
of French, African, Spanish, and Native American, and there are gumbo rules. Get that roux nice and brown, no tomatoes, the ratio is two parts gumbo, one part rice, and you have to eat it out of a bowl. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. Or we can keep it dairy and start with some milk, maybe a warm glass of hot chocolate after you get in from the chores. They always have to get done no matter what Mother Nature does out there, as you well know. And your Midwest Farm Report continues with Joe Welke on Wax 104.5. Joe Welke, nothing. It's me this morning, Morgan. <laughs> All right, let's get over to the, see what's going on with our weather, shall we? And uh, that means the buddy Mike Dandry is over at the 13 First Alert Weather Room. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How we doing? Well, we're uh, we're doing well. I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Madison. I'm still going, but uh, for the football game, I, I guess I know it's going to be uh, not too bad around here. But is that rain going to be in southern Wisconsin tomorrow? Tomorrow, I mean, you might have a few stray showers, but uh, I mean, nothing like what we're expecting today. So, oh, that's good. That's good, because uh, we've had uh, some pretty good rains here the last day or so. Yeah, outside of uh, outside of our studio, we got uh, about three-quarters of an inch so far, and uh, we've got plenty more of that to come. We did have a little bit of a dry slot move through, and the rates of rainfall right now, not so bad. But going into this afternoon, we'll see those heavier rates of rain again, with temperatures pretty much staying stagnant in the upper 40s. As far as our winds, sustained anywhere from 20, even close to 30 miles per hour. Sustained, or excuse me, gusting near 40 miles per hour later on tonight. But rain chances continue through the overnight. Still a little bit of a breeze with winds between 15 to 20 miles per hour before things start to fizzle out going into tomorrow morning. Mostly cloudy otherwise. Highs in the mid-50s. Tomorrow mid-50s, as, or excuse me, Sunday mid-50s as well. Monday, we start to see a little bit more sunshine, getting a little bit closer to average as we'll have mid to upper 50s, and that takes us through about Wednesday before we have our next chance of rain uh, going into Wednesday and for Thursday. Otherwise, right now, 47 degrees, but winds 16 miles per hour out of the east, gusting at 26. That'll cool it off. I would say so, and uh, I mean, it does technically carry a wind chill of 41, but uh, yeah, when you factor in the water to it, it feels almost a little chilly out there. And, uh, don't start that wind chill talk now. <laughs> Come on, Bob, I had to. No, that's enough of that. <laughs> Get out of here. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, Mike. You too, Bob. All right, there goes Mike Dandry over there at Skywarn 13, but now it's 13 First Alert weather on Wax. And we're about uh, 23 minutes before 6 o'clock. Brent's here. we got more news. It's a busy Friday at Wax as we look at our uh, markets, our weather, our news, courtesy of uh, the good folks like Marika Gouda, who's going to be busy tomorrow with that maple tour. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, it's uh, 20 minutes to 6 here in Eau Claire or wherever you're at in our area. Hey, I got a quiz for you guys here. We're going to get to a quick calendar item here in a minute, but uh, another story that I found. The national average rent price went from $148 an acre last year to $155 this year. In the Corn Belt, cash rents jumped almost 6% from $223 an acre in 2022 to $236 this year. Jill and Brent are with me right now, and if you can tell me who had the lowest average rent for cropland and which state had the highest rent for cropland, I'll uh, give you a prize. I don't know what it is yet, but uh, who has, uh, anybody have a guess Jill, on, you go, on go the, lowest, the, lowest, the lowest per acre cropland rent? What state? Wyoming. Close. I'm going to go with Idaho. Montana. $35 an acre in Montana. The highest cropland rent in the country this year. Which state? Illinois. Iowa. Arizona. Whoa. Yeah, I suppose you $347 an acre. Wow. Well, we we stink at that. Next game. Next game. I'm going to keep my prize. Yes. All right. Well, we do have some things, but I thought that interesting, too. I wouldn't have got those right either. All right. What... Jill, what do you got some things coming up this weekend? Then we got to get to markets, but what's going on? Well, we've got the Haunted Trail that's up at the Colby School Forest. That is today and tomorrow night from 7 till 10 o'clock. And that's at the Colby School Forest. And we've got the Granted Haunted Forest that's happening this weekend, tonight, 
tomorrow night. And then next weekend, the 20th and 21st, 7 to 10 p.m. And that is at the Granton School Forest. We've got the family day at the farm for um, in Owen Withy at the Wells Farm Learning Center. That's on Sunday. That's in Owen, right across from the Owen Withy High School. They're having a smoked pork dinner. And it's in support of FFA and the FFA alumni and supporters. And down in Osseo, they were having their fall bash. It was supposed to be on Saturday, but they've switched it over to Sunday down at the football field from noon till 4. All right. So some of the things coming up. And did we get that, uh, what's that sheep deal up in Barron County? Have you got that? I do. The Sheep Dairy Association of Wisconsin of Wisconsin is having their fall gathering on Sunday from 1 till 4 at Maple Hill Farm. That's uh, Brian and Tammy Michelson, and that's on Townline Road in Ladysmith. Oh, in Ladysmith. Okay, up in Russ County. All right, so those are some things coming up. If you can get out, enjoy them. We got markets. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's quarter to six here on Wax 104.5. 47 degrees out there, and it's time to hear from Jim Lindsay and Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers, Neffers, $1.50 to $1.82. Choice dairy cross steers, Neffers, $1.50 to $1.71. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.58 to $1.68. Choice Holstein steers, $1.45 to $1.57. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.44 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from $1 to $1.16. We had a top of $1.17. 60% of the cows sold from $71 to $99. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from $70 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from $1.20 to $1.48. The bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from $1.19 and down. Cold bulls sold from $95 to $1.19. We had an extreme top of $1.30 and a high-yielding red Angus bull. Thin, full, horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from $300 to $520 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $300 per head down. Quality beef calves sold from $400 to $730 per head. Butchers sold from 45 to 55 and sows sold from 23 to 30. All right, just a quick reminder, our next special feeder sale is Friday, October 13th. We are expecting two to 300 head for this sale. We will have a good assortment of Holstein feeders as well as new crop beef calves. All feeder sales are live on Kettle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Kettle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Assignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Friday morning at Wax. Let's wrap up the sale barn activity for the week as we go over to Equity Stratford. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. You getting wet this morning, Jerry? Well, Bob, and a very good morning to you and welcome back. Yeah, we are. I went out before. Uh, didn't stay out very long. Just made a little quick trip to the rain gauge. We're about, uh, oh, that was almost an hour ago. So I was six tenths, so we could probably got a little bit more than that now already. So, yep. A very cold rain, too, I might add. Yeah, it's starting to be that time of the year, that's for sure. Well, the cattle kind of like this cooler weather. How have they been selling this week? Well, we'll tell the folks about it. And first of all, before we get into the markets, do want to uh, certainly salute our farmers. Yesterday was National Farmers Day, so before we want to forget that. So anyway, now we'll get to the market. And this is a summary from yesterday, Thursday, and uh, this past week here at Equity Stratford. And uh, on the cow market this past week, high-yielding fleshy beef cows and, and Holstein cows were selling mostly from 95 to $1.16. Extreme top on the cows this week did reach 123 Most of the cows this week, the majority of the cows we sold, selling between 70 and 95 Thinner cows, light carcass cows, below $70. On the bull trade, your better quality bulls are selling mostly from 105 up to 118 Lighter weight bulls, a dollar and below. On the fed cattle trade, your choice grading Holstein steers mostly from 144 to 162. Select cattle, under finished cattle, 140 and back. On the organic market on Tuesday, high yielding, good quality certified organic cows are selling from 145 to 150. On the calf market this week, good quality replacement Holstein bow calves weighing 9,230 pounds, selling mostly from 200 to 400 with a top at 430. 
Heifer calves mostly from 75 to 150. Beef calves continue to be very strong. 350 to 700 uh, earlier in the week. A lot of fancy beef calves from 700 all the way up to 780. And we're looking at a full marketing schedule, of course, on tap for next week. Our next uh, uh, next auction, of course, will be on Monday. Our next hay auction will be next Tuesday. Next dairy cattle sale, also next Tuesday. Next feeder cattle sale will be next Wednesday, October 18th at 1230. And we do have some early consignments for that sale. Next week we do have some real fancy Charlet and Charlet Cross cattle for that. So those are going to be short-term cattle, mostly around eight 900 pounds. So if you folks are interested in that, uh, there will be more consignments at for the feeder sale next week. And, Bob, I guess that's what I have. And you, uh, you've been following the baseball playoffs. A lot of interesting uh, games here. <laughs> yeah, all the uh, high-money teams are out. Los Angeles, yeah. Dodgers, Atlanta. The Yankees never made it, so um, it's not all about the money. No. So, like high-priced a... market reporters like you. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no, well, hey, you well, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You too, guys, and, uh, well, stay uh, stay dry. Thank you very much, Bob, and we'll talk to you and Jill next week. There you go. Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Sale Barn. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Brent Wink is here. He didn't win the contest, but uh, we'll still let him talk about crops here in a few minutes. we got to talk to Jill about the closing markets. Board of Trade yesterday was higher with that uh, USDA report. Corn up eight cents, beans up thirty-seven. Beans supported by some real bounces in soybean meal demand overnight. December corn down two at four ninety-four. The oats down four three seventy-nine. December wheat up a penny at five seventy-two. November soybeans up three at twelve ninety-three. And soybean meal December up three eighty a ton at three hundred ninety-six dollars and seventy cents. At the country elevators today. At Northside Elevator, loyal location, new crop corn is at 449 with soybeans at 1213. And the Arcadia location, corn's at 449 with soybeans at 1214. Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls location, corn's at 433 with soybeans at 1223. And at Connersville, 433 for corn and 1218 for soybeans. On the DTN screen, corn and golden plum today is 459, a bushel. Baldwin, 444 and 1213. Corn at Duran, 439, soybeans, 1204. At Mondovi, the corn is 444, the beans at 1209. At Elmwood, corn is 449, the beans at 1213. Fall Creek, 439 on the corn, 1204 on the beans. Osseo corn, 454, the beans at 1213. Elk Mound, 439 and 1224. And on Sparta, 440 for the corn, $12 even for the soybeans. Ellsworth, 419 and 1194. Ethanol plants today. Boyceville corn, 444. Stanley, 454. And at the Richmond Grain Facility, 449. Barrel cheese up two and three quarters yesterday, 164 and a half. The blocks down a quarter at 170. Butter down eight and a half at 339 and a half. Class three October up nine yesterday, 1693. November up seven cents at 1730. December up 11 at 1760. January up 13 at 1812. And February up 15 at 1835. It's Friday morning. Time to cover the crops with Brent Wink for Winfield United, Division of Land and Lakes. I don't imagine you have to hurry home today to jump in the combine. No, I think we're going to have a little bit of a delay. We didn't quite get soybeans done. We were probably a day left, I suppose. But, wow, this last week has been a lot of soybean harvest kind of going on everywhere. How uh, they said our average yield in the state's 44 bushels an acre. Are you right there? Is that... uh... Yeah, that was kind of interesting to hear. We're off 10 bushel from a year ago. So I had... uh, I just go, you know, from the people that I physically talk to a lot and a couple of growers that finished completely. One grower in Pierce County told me he's going to be up probably about five bushel above his best ever. So, you know, I, I think... In some of our pockets, I think we're going to certainly be above that mark, but uh, they, they seem like the yields are coming off pretty good, and then got kind of some answer plot data, too, to kind of share a little bit as well. But, yeah, a lot of harvest going on. Some of the growers switching to corn and, and kind of hearing some pretty decent yields. So, But the soybeans will definitely be delayed till. I'm, be, I'm assuming the beginning of next week, but well, I get some time in the machine shed to get it. Uh, yeah, all start the, all fixing the and repairing, right. and and so get uh, get the things that people neglected yeah, for the last right. week, including maybe their their home life. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, but uh, real quick this morning, I thought I'd I'd share some of the stuff. But Trent Locker, one of the Alcivia agronomists over at Nourishment, he was up in Polk County and he took off a corn plot this week and. 
some really, really impressive yields. Uh, he had uh, 244 bushel was the top of that plot. Uh, cropland 94 day 3490 top that plot there was also some seed treatment trials and things like that so i really love when agronomists share that kind of data and that kind of thing and obviously all of these plots you don't have headland effects and you're just taking a, a plot out in the middle of the field so you're certainly not going to find field and farm averages like that and same with our answer plots you're 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 in the best part of the field but starting to see some of those plots come off and i have for Wisconsin, we have uh, Beaver Dam, that answer plot, the soybean yields, uh, that was taken off, and we've got the the data kind of got into my hands here. So we had uh, ranges, the 1.6 maturity bean plot, 88 bushel was tops with the Zatavo brand, 1632 bean, NK15 G9 E3s were 87, and Cropland 1522s were 85. But we don't plant one point six around here. Uh, actually, that's probably our sweet spot of maturity. Okay. Is is right. that one point six maturity? Kind of their fuller season, the two point four maturity over there was eighty seven. So not not uh, quite what that one point six maturity did. Then the two point oh maturity came in at about ninety one bushel with a Brevant and a cropland variety right there. But West Salem down there near La Crosse, I uh, got that plot data. That's top of the state so far. The 1.6 maturity, that NK15G9E3s, topped that plot at 96 bushel per acre, mm. followed with uh, Zatavo 1632s and Cropland 1522s right there. And then uh, the 2.0 maturity was about that same type of uh, yield. So kind of seen on soybeans, uh, push to full season maturity on beans it doesn't seem like in our plot data anyways that we're seeing a huge difference. So like on corn this year, I suspect with all the heat that we had, if you pushed your maturity a little bit, it was just this beautiful growing season. I suspect the later maturity corns are going to outyield the earlier maturity corns. In well, they soybeans, usually do, don't they? They usually do yeah. if we have the heat to back well, it up. So it kind of makes sense. In soybeans... The last several years, we just haven't saw that, the reward to kind of push your maturity uh, later than what what it is normal uh, for your area. And that's kind of the way it's looking in the answer plots as well. But uh, I send out all the individual plots It's real, to the agronomists at the co-ops. It's kind of nice to decipher. But what we really like to see is after you've gotten seven or eight or 10 or 20 plots together, and kind of start seeing trends, and that's where it's really nice when you start seeing the same half dozen varieties mm-hmm. and, and uh, that that are constantly showing up at or near the top. That's where you can kind of make more educated guesses at uh, what what's working out there and what isn't, as well as what the feedback that we hear from the farms. So, kind of that time of year where just uh, there's tons of data coming in. Or getting it out into the hands of the agronomists as fast as we can. And on rain days like today, uh, growers can maybe work with their agronomists and kind of go over some of that stuff and start making some of these decisions for next year's uh, uh, crop. Yeah, and if you've uh, got your soybeans harvested, get them entered in the soybean oh, yield contest. Gal- because, again, it, across I... the state of Wisconsin, or this belt, nobody entered. The, I, don't, I think it's the last two years. And if you'd have grown one bushel an acre, you'd have won, I yes. don't know, $1,000, $500, whatever it was. Yes, the soybean yield the, uh, soybean yield contest that Sean Conley does yep. at the University of Wisconsin. So we better, Jill, we better get that entered. We'll actually get to win a prize then. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike our contest earlier. You won't win one here, but you'll do that. All right, yes. Thanks, Brent. Have All right, have weekend. a great weekend, everyone. There you go. Brent Wink. And covering the crops, Winfield United, Division of Land Lakes. Rain and windy today, too. High about 49. And maybe rain early into the night. But then starting tomorrow, looks like it uh, should start to clear up and warm up into the 50s. Ooh, that still sounds cold. 47 degrees right now. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi. And the Chilson family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.